The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to The How of Business with Henry Lopez and David Begin, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here are your hosts. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez, and my guest today is Josh Stanton. Josh, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. I'm glad to have you. Uh, Josh is a serial entrepreneur and a co-founder, along with his wife, Jill, of Screw the 9 to 5. That's the name of their business. And we're going to learn about that and the different offerings that they have. It's, as they call it, their slice of the internet, where they help entrepreneurs build more attention to their brands, make more money in their businesses, and get more out of their life through simple strategies, how-tos, and behind-the-scene glimpses into the realities of building a business online as they have. Uh, Josh has a serious love for travel, an unhealthy obsession, he says, with pugs, and <laughs> has been known to indulge in a uh, rugby binge-watching session or two. That might give you a clue as to where he's from. The accent will be the other clue. Uh, Josh and his wife uh, still uh, – rather, his wife, Jill – are the co-host of their own podcast called Screw the 9 to 5, and I've listened to it on iTunes. Josh lives with his wife and a child, I believe, right? You have a child now? Brand new baby, yes. That's right, that's right. So maybe the obsession with the pugs is not as serious anymore. <laughs> um, but they live in uh, Vancouver, British Columbia, in that area. And so in today's episode, Josh is going to share with us his personal journey, how he got to where he is today. And then we will dive into some tips and advice on how to start an online business. If those of you listening are not necessarily looking to start an online business, a lot of what we're going to talk about, I think, applies. Specifically, that's his area of expertise. And so we'll chat about that. So with all of that, Josh Stanton, once again, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. I can obviously see that Jill wrote this um, this bio for you to read out because I, I don't like to tell people I have an obsession with pugs, even though it is true. <laughs> well, it's on your website, so you're sharing it with a lot of people. I know, I know. She loves to see. I didn't want to do that, but she wanted to put it up because I think she she tries to make fun of me. I think that's that's how we roll. <laughs> or, or it personalizes you, right? Yeah. So, has, um, if I have an unhealthy obsession with pugs, she has an unhealthy fear of ET. Um, so that's her thing. Of what is it? Et yes, like the friendliest alien ever to have hit the television screen, and she has wow. a very unhealthy fear of that. So much so that her mother used to send her Et figurines in the mail when she was at college, <laughs> just to scare her. That's hilarious. That's an interesting thing. And that movie was a while ago, so I that you guys are a lot younger than I am, but I remember that. I remember going to go see that movie at the theaters. So. Um, travel, what is your, uh, favorite place to visit in the world? Uh, favorite place to visit in the world. Definitely to, to 
probably would be New Zealand for sure. South Island of New Zealand is the most beautiful like place in the world I've ever been to. Um, but we, we've traveled a lot. I would say my favorite trip I've ever done was probably to uh, Vietnam and mm. to Halong Bay. Have you been to Vietnam before? Yeah, I have not. No, I would, you have to go check out Vietnam. And there's this northern part. Um, it's called Halong Bay, and there's these beautiful limestone mountains that come out of the water there. And you can do a three-day cruise just going through all the different mountains. And it's just the most incredible place I've ever been to. Highly recommend. Yeah, I've seen I've seen pictures. New Zealand, though, that Australia, New Zealand area is kind of next for my major travel destination. I've been to about 30 countries now, but that's next. Um, yeah. And speaking of, I, I gathered from the research, but you're originally from Australia, as the accent tells us, I think, in part. Yes, I'm from the Gold Coast in Australia, which is right near Brisbane, and it's about an hour and a half flight north of Sydney. So it's a beautiful part of the country and it's long, you know, beautiful golden beaches. Um, you know, I really miss it right now. I live in Vancouver and we're just <laughs> kind of coming out of winter. And, you know, I've got some my friends back in Australia on the Gold Coast. You know, they're sending pictures of what it's what the weather's like over there. And, you know, like I'm looking outside and it's all grey and miserable. So I definitely miss it from time to time. I can imagine. So how did you end up in Vancouver? My wife is she's Canadian. So she's from Toronto and we've kind of been bouncing around the place ever since we first met. So I actually met her in, her in Toronto. Then we moved to Australia together. Uh, then we moved to New Zealand together. Then we moved to uh, back to Toronto, then to Thailand and the Philippines, then Mexico. And so we've kind of just been bouncing around the place for the last the last sort of nine years. The, the longest amount of time we spent in a place is right now, actually in Vancouver, and we've been here for just under 18 months. The, the okay. funny thing is, though, the plan is we're actually moving again in June. So mm. we're, we get cold feet very, very easily. No doubt. So where's next? Well, we're going back to Toronto. And uh, the plan is we just had a, a baby boy, Kai. He's only five weeks old. So we're heading back to Toronto to be around friends and family um, yep. for the time being. And the plan is to... Pretty much like set down roots in Toronto, but every winter make an escape. You know, that's why we have this kind of business, an online business. It allows us to live the kind of lifestyle we want to live. And so, you know, we want to take advantage of that. Absolutely. So tell me about what you were doing before you started this type of business. It gives you this flexibility to live different places. What did you start your career doing? So uh, before Jill and I started our business together, I was working um, for like a software company, actually. Um, so it, I was a partner in this company, but I was pretty much just managing the operations of it while I was living over in China. Um, and it was fine. Like it was a, a good business and, and whatnot. Um, but it didn't really give me the kind of freedom that I wanted. And Jill was actually doing social media for bars and restaurants as well at the time. And so she was kind of trapped in Toronto Um so, like, I, I started running that business, moved over to Toronto with her uh, while still running that business, but I felt very trapped in it, if that makes sense, with my mm -hmm. partnership. And Jill was, you know, trapped because she was having to go to, like, bars and restaurants in Toronto, and we really didn't want that. We wanted to go traveling. That was our big thing. We wanted to go and escape and live overseas somewhere. Um, and so, she quit. She ended up firing all of her clients straight away, and I ended up uh, ending my partnership 
uh, in that previous business and we said, hey, what are we going to do? Let's start a business. What kind of business should we start that's going to allow us to live a fully location independent lifestyle? And the model that we decided to to go with was affiliate marketing. So I'm not Mm -hmm. sure if your audience is familiar with affiliate marketing, but it's basically just you promoting other people's products and you get referral commissions for doing that. So we, we started a skincare blog, actually. It was a skincare website because we knew people were purchasing skincare online. And so we wanted to tap into that market. And it was pretty much just us creating a lot of content, just consistent consistently. So every day we'd get up and write content for our site, other people's sites to promote promote our website. And then over time, we got traffic and then we referred that traffic on. It took us about uh, six months before we reached a point where we were making a full-time income off of that site. And then we just continued to go on from there. So Which that was pretty was the, fast. What time yeah, frame are we talking about? When did you do this? We did that. That was back in 2012. Yeah, that, that's a pretty uh, rapid uh, deployment. Now, uh, you had the, she had the, Jill had the experience of social media and all of that. Did you have a writing background or what skills do you think that you brought to it to help you create all this content? No, Jill's definitely the writer. I'm not the writer. Um, And it was quite difficult. I did write some. It was quite difficult writing about skincare, I will say. Uh, But I had a background in SEO. So we actually focused mostly on getting traffic from Google uh, just because it's the best, it's the highest quality traffic you can get. And so I just said to Jill, let's just take advantage of this. This is sustainable if we do it this way. And then she did manage the social profiles. Um, but I don't think we were that successful that successful with social media at the time. The majority of our income was coming from Google traffic. Interesting. Did you always have this desire to be location independent uh, from childhood or, or was it how you grew up or when did that come about? You know, I think it's actually my my nana. She passed away when she was ninety nine, and wow. she she had this insatiable love for travel, and she would always tell us stories about about like the, when she went to Europe. Like this was back, you know, she went to Europe in the sixties, and she had to take a boat over there, and it was like a six week journey to get there, mm-hmm. and then they were over there for three months. And she's telling us all the stories, and she just loved it, right? And so I think she passed that on to me um, for sure. I I think like the reason why we got to that point myself and Joe was because we were in Toronto and I don't know if you've been there, but the winters there are horrible yeah. and I, it was the middle of winter. And that was when we made the decision because mm-hmm. previous year we did a, a, we had a vacation to Thailand and we stopped in this tiny, beautiful little Island called Koh Tao. And we just loved it there. And we kind of made a commitment to ourselves to say, we are going to come back here and we're going to come back here and live. We're going to do this. And so we went back to Toronto, worked our butts off, um, we got married that year, and as soon as we got married, we then flew straight over to Thailand, hopped on a boat, went straight out to Koh Tao, and, and spent. We actually spent a good two months there. So it was it was kind of like the the uh, the living of a dream. We 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 finally reached that goal, which is amazing. Yeah. Now, now that you have a child, do you think you'll stay put in raising this child, or do you think that's what you want? I'm curious because I, you know, we went through this. We have a, a child who's at university now, and we uh, we wanted to have her raised in one place. That's what we thought would be good. But there's so many different philosophies. And even as I chat with her, she has a love for travel. You know, she says, oh, it would be nice if we would have lived overseas. What are your thoughts? I'm just curious as to what you're thinking as, as far as now that you have a child, if you'll travel and move as often. 
I think we'll continue to travel for sure. Uh, we will have a base in Toronto. So having just like a place that we can come back to, turn the key back on and we're good to go. Um, mm-hmm. Every winter, I don't want to be in, in Canada in winter. That's We're very clear on that. So we're going to go down somewhere warmer, whether that yeah. be Australia or maybe somewhere in the Caribbean or, or just somewhere warmer basically. Uh, and, and then as far as traveling with a kid goes, we actually had a really good experience getting to know a number of different couples when we were living in Thailand for two years who were spending a year, take, they took their kids out of school for a year and then we're just traveling around the whole world with them and giving that incredible experience. So seeing those families um, doing that and seeing like how beneficial it was for their kids to experience other cultures and just to kind of grow up a little bit, you know, get to get to know like who they are in different places. I, I think that was such a great experience for us to see. And we definitely want to do the same thing for Kai. Yeah, I can see that. From a business perspective, how do you think having traveled, been exposed to different cultures, the way different things, people do different things around the world, how has it uh, affected and impacted the way you look and do business? Uh, quite a bit, actually. So I lived in China for 10 months and the way people do business in China is, it's kind of interesting because for when I first got there, it was quite a struggle because I just felt like everyone was really impolite and like no one was very mm-hmm. friendly. Um, but it wasn't until someone, uh, a, a colleague at the company where I was working, the software company, he told me, he said that Chinese people, um, they don't believe in being like overly polite because if they, they believe that if you're overly polite, then you're not being yourself and you're not allowing other people to get to know who you are. And so that's why they're a little bit more like raw and upfront. Uh, so as soon as I understood that, it really did make a difference. And it kind of helped me in my psyche moving forward uh, because, you know, I, I, I think about that now when I, when I meet people, I'd rather just like go straight to the point, get to know them. Um, you know, don't mess around. Like I want to be fully open and transparent about who I am. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's actually helped me in business a little bit too. We screw the nine to five. We are totally upfront and honest about everything uh, in our business, all the challenges that we face. Uh, We want people to get to know everything about us because in my opinion, that's when people really trust you is when they really know who you are. So, so yeah, I would say that there's, there's, I haven't really thought about it, but definitely living overseas has helped me in business. Yeah, no, that's a great point and a, a great point about how it has impacted the way you do business. I think as small business owners, again, we also struggle with, uh, and what we find it is when we're when we're genuine, when we communicate genuinely with our customers or the client that we're trying to attract, that's when we have more success instead of trying to put on this facade with our brand that's not genuine, is not congruent with who we really are, right? Oh, um, true. So if I did the research right around 2017 or so is when you begin to make this shift to helping others achieve the success that you've had with creating online businesses. Is that right? Yeah. So 2017 was kind of like our breakthrough year with Screw the 9 to 5. So what's interesting about Screw the 9 to 5 is that we didn't start it as a business. So we had our, our other business that we were running and then we started Screw the 9 to 5 as kind of like a, a blog just to kind of talk about what it's like living overseas while running a business, a location independent business. And over time, people started following Screw the 9 to 5 and subscribing to our email list. And they were really interested in in just knowing how we actually did did that, like how we were actually living, living over in Thailand while running a business. 
And it wasn't until I think I, I had a conversation with Joe. I was like, you know what? Maybe this could be a business. Maybe people are interested in learning how to do this. And that was when we first came out with, with our initial products that we, we started developing. It didn't do well right off the bat. I'm going to be totally honest about that. The first product we put out there was complete flop, but that helped us. Um, it helped us because we learned so much from that. And then we were able to create more products moving forward that were actually fitting the needs of our customers. In 2017, we had our breakthrough year. And, you know, this is usually the case with online businesses because it takes a while to build up traction. And we can talk about that later. But right. the truth is, yeah, I mean, it takes a good couple of years to kind of build up traction, especially with a personal brand. But then once you do and you crack it, then all of a sudden, you know, for us, we went from in that business, $90,000 a year to um, to actually in 2017 to Five hundred thousand dollars. Then twenty seventeen was six hundred forty eight thousand. So it's it's kind of like it was a this breakthrough year that I think um, a lot of people will experience if they really stick it out. Yeah, it's fantastic numbers. Yeah, so we're definitely going to dive into some of those key takeaways. Before we do, I'm curious. Obviously, you're in business with your wife. I've been in business with my wife as well. What have been some of the keys to making that work well? Oh man. Well, accepting that you're just going to have divorce days is one of those things. <laughs> they do exist. Um, it gets better though over time. At first, you know, you're just trying to get to know each other, what, what each other's strengths are, what each other's weaknesses are, so you can kind of divide and conquer. Um, I would say one of the best things we ever did was to get very serious about taking personality tests for each other and mm. getting to know each other. Um, so the one that helped us the most, I would say was the Myers-Briggs test and literally Jill and I are the exact opposites. You cannot be any more opposite. And it was quite funny because when we looked at uh, our personality types after doing Myers-Briggs, we realized that I was in a role that was opposite to what my personality type was. And then Jill was also in a role that was opposite to her personality type. And as soon as we did that, we just kind of we just did this, the old switcheroo and all of a sudden we were in roles that we actually were good at and, and all of a sudden the argument started to sort of subside because we weren't getting frustrated at, at each other. So that was a really huge thing for us. Yeah, no, I, I can see that. You know, for me, initially, when, when I first started in a couple of businesses ago, we, we sold one business. It was really the first time that my wife and I worked together. I had to learn to be more respectful. You know, I think you you take advantage of the fact that you're you have a personal relationship. And so I was treating her not the same way I would have treated an employee or a partner. I was getting away with being, you know, uh, short and uh, sometimes rude is the bottom line. And so I had to check myself and, and learn to, would I have said that to an employee or would I have said that to a business partner? No, I, I did it because, you know, we're in a relationship and you can get away with things sometimes. And so that was a big learning point for me early on in the process. I mean, that's that's a huge thing. And I, you don't even really think about it, but you're totally right. It's so easy, that, especially when you first get started, because it, it is quite a pressure-filled environment when you're starting a business. Sure. And yeah. If you are, you know, with your your wife or your partner and, you know, like they make a mistake, it's much easier to mm -hmm. kind of get frustrated at that person because you know them really well. But the truth is you right. wouldn't do it if it was a brand new business partner. You would kind of like have a conversation with them, wouldn't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
Okay, so let's get into it a bit more on starting an online business. I'd like to maybe start by if you would introduce this, you know, the Screw to Nine to Five lifestyle brand for entrepreneurs, as you call it. What is that? Give us a high level definition and, and introduce that for us. What does that mean? So, one of the things we got clear on over time was that the the entrepreneur that we really want to help. Uh, the types of entrepreneurs who want to create a business in order to suit a type of lifestyle that they want to live, right? As opposed to like the business lifestyle, if you did, if you said it that way around, it's like you are totally everything all about business and that's it. You forget about everything else in your life. Whereas you, you flip it around, you say lifestyle business. Um, it's more like you're creating a business to suit your lifestyle. And there's three areas that we, we want to focus on. And these are three areas that I think all entrepreneurs can relate to. The first of them is business, of course. And we talk about um, specifically online business because that's our area of expertise. The second area is health. And this is an area that uh, what we tend to find is that when people go too heavily into business and they forget about their health, all of a sudden, a couple of years go by, maybe they're getting some success in their business, but their health is completely deteriorated and eventually they reach a point of burnout. And that's not good for you. It's not good for your business. The third area that we that we look at and, and we create content around and, and help people with is the other areas of lifestyle. So um, your relationships, uh, your family, your personal finances, all these different things that we want to try and keep in balance. So health, business, and life, those are the three areas of the Screw the 9 to 5 lifestyle. And and so traditionally, as I was thinking about that and writing that down, we what we've observed and even what I've done is it's all about the business. You sacrifice everything, yeah. right? Often even personal relationships and certainly our personal health. Um, do you think that a lot of that is driven by how we measure success in business, meaning that often it's those external or or these arbitrary measures of tied to money principally or X number of locations or X number of revenues or employees. We, we have these measures that we've been told are how we can decide if we're successful or not in business. Um, I could not agree with you more. A hundred percent. And here's the interesting thing, right? Uh, we were going down that path for a long time, just focusing on like, how do we make more money? How do we make more money? And the problem is, is that when you think that way, you end up actually making less money. And so I just want to like quickly mention um, just something for anyone listening and you can actually switch it around to actually make more money. And I'll tell you how to do that. If you are focusing purely on just making money right now and you're showing up to clients in that way, they can smell that. You know what I mean? People can sense when someone just cares about making money for themselves. They just care about your 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 pocketbook, your wallet, right? Whereas if you flip that the other way around and you shop every single day and say, my goal isn't just make lots of money. My goal is to impact and help as many people as I can. And if you focus every single day on that, as opposed to how can I make more money today, then people are going to want to work with you and you're going to make more money as a result of that. So I just, I think that's like a really important lesson. And I know it's very difficult for a new business owner to get to that point because like, you know, there's, there's this desperation point of trying to make money for yourself and take care of yourself. But once you do get over that, once you do get over that hump, I highly recommend trying to switch that around in your mind if you can. Yeah. And I'm glad you clarified that because that's exactly what I was going to ask is how, how have you, how did you get through those periods of times where you're like, but I got to pay the bills and, you know, now you've, you've got a child, you're not there now, but a lot of people are looking to start business and they have a family. So 
were there some techniques or was it just that long-term or, or better vision that got you through those hard days? Yeah, honestly, I think it was just grit and determination. It was kind of drawing a line. Um, <laughs> I heard someone say this the other day, instead of drawing a line in the sand, drawing a line in the concrete because you can't actually break that line, right? So we drew a line in the concrete and we said, we are not getting a job. We are making this business work no matter what. And as soon as we did that, it, we just took massive amounts of action. I don't think we tried to take massive amounts of action. We just did because we set the criteria and there was no going back. So that was that that kind of got us to the point where I said, you know, we grew to a full-time income within six months and then it continued to go up from there gradually. Um, but that was just because there was no going back. You know, it, it was like, this is what we do. We are entrepreneurs now and, and that's that's how we see ourselves. So I, I know that's not like super actionable, but I think like it's more insightful and, and that's kind of important in this sense. Yeah, no, I, I get it. Um, also, you know, as you look at these three pillars, I forget what you call them, but business, health, and the other areas of your lifestyle, I'm assuming you you look at that holistically as much as possible when you're making a decision about what to say yes to, what to say no to. Um, tell me a little bit more about that, how you, how you balance that and how you determine we're doing too much of this or not enough of that or not making enough sacrifice over here or whatever the balance might be. Um, I would say this is, I mean, this has taken a long time to get to this point for me, for sure, because especially when you start off as a solopreneur, you just get so used to doing everything yourself and, um, that's a problem, right? So for me, it's like always, the question I always ask myself is like, can I turn this into a procedure? Can this be mm. into a procedure? So I don't have to keep doing it over and over. I can hand it off to someone else. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question, but generally like yeah i mean like the most important thing for me is my family and my my friends like that's the most important thing for me that's the top priority the second priority under that is my health and then the third priority that under that is my business so that's kind of yeah. how i stack my values and i have i'm telling you right now i have stacked them in the opposite order where i put business on top and then i put like family and friends last and then maybe health second and it's never worked out good. It's my business. The business didn't succeed because of that. And as soon as I made that shift in the priority and started focusing on really trying to connect and build relationships with people and take care of my family and whatnot, and then my health came second and my business came third, the business ended up flourishing as a result of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that makes sense. And you, you talked about, I think, recently in one of the podcast episodes about doing, well, you talk about a lot, but doing more with less. Mm -hmm. And that's part of this continuous focus. I, I've talked about this many times on this show about my challenges with learning how to delegate, learning how to outsource, learning how to let go. That's always been a big challenge for me and I've gotten better and better at it. And part is part of a, a mind shift to look at it as an expense, meaning hiring somebody whether it's virtual or whatever it might be. Mm. Uh, and it's also a control thing, right? Because I'm a perfectionist and only I can do it right. So letting go of those things is part of it. Um, you touched though recently, I think, uh, on one of the shows as well about focusing. And I want to get your thoughts there on how this plays into this whole thing. I have definitely shiny object syndrome. So every new project or every new idea, I tend to want to jump on it. How do you manage that? And is that part of how you maintain this balance is what you say no to from a project or an idea or a new business, perhaps? 
Yeah, so we use a really good strategy for this. Uh, every single quarter, we'll set a number of rocks that we want to achieve. So we, we plan everything quarterly, and I think that helps a lot. Otherwise, you kind of just, you are going from thing to thing, right? So every quarter, we sit down. Actually, the next one's coming up um, on Monday. We sit down, and we plan out seven rocks. And uh, the rocks come from the Steve, you know, Stephen Covey, his principle of, um, you know, rocks and sand in a bucket. Have you heard of that before? Do you want to describe it? You know, I'm familiar with him and his books, but I had not heard that that metaphor, if you will, or, or the whole concept of the rocks. I'm not familiar with that. So it's like, you imagine you have a bucket, right? And um, next to that bucket, you have big rocks. And then next to those big rocks, you have a bunch of small rocks. And then next to that, you have like a bunch of sand. And so what most people would do is pour the sand in first, then pour in the small rocks and then pour in the big rocks. And all of a sudden the big rocks don't fit in because it just doesn't work out that way. Whereas if you put in the big rocks first, then the small rocks after that, the small rocks will kind of go in between the different cracks and whatnot. And then you pour the sand in after that and everything fits in nice and neatly in that bucket. And so when we say rocks, those seven rocks, we mean those big rocks. And so we identify what those are and we say this, we forget about all the different steps and whatever that's involved in doing it. We just say, these are the seven priority action items we want to get done this quarter. And then everything else will kind of happen uh, around that. And then every single week we review those rocks so we, that we stay in check. Uh, otherwise, you're right, you will go off and just think, oh, let's forget about that and do this instead. Um, so it's, it's really, it's really key. And if anything does come up, any ideas do come up, we write them down and they go in the quarterly review. And at the end of the quarter, we look at them, we say, Hey, should we use the, should we turn this into a rock for next quarter? Um, if not, then we get rid of it. If we do, then we add it in as a rock. So that's, that's the process that we love to use. And it really does help a lot, especially when you have multiple people on your team. Yeah, no, I love that. And, and the seven items, the seven rocks can be a combination of challenges, something we have to Project. fix or resolve or grow, or it can be a new concept as well as a combination of things. Totally. It could be pro like new projects. Maybe there's like a new product you want to launch, or um, maybe there's like a new sales funnel you want to do. Maybe there's a new webinar you want to launch. Um, maybe there's like a, a different type of marketing strategy you want to launch. Let's say you're not doing Instagram right now and you're like, hey, I want to kick off my Instagram profile next quarter. That's going to be one of those rocks. Great technique. This is Henry Lopez, co-host of the How of Business podcast. And I invite you to schedule a free business coaching consultation with me. I welcome the opportunity to chat with you about your business goals and offer the guidance and accountability that we all need to achieve success. As an experienced small business owner, I understand the challenges you are experiencing, and often it's about helping you ask the right questions to help you make progress towards achieving your goals. I can help you get there. To find out more about my business coaching services and to schedule your free coaching session, please visit thehowofbusiness.com. All right, I want to step back a moment. If, um, let's say I'm someone who's listening who is looking to start a business, launch an online business, mm -hmm. give us a couple of those ideas of the things that they should be looking at first. And I also want to talk about the conversation that you often have on this subject, which is the non-negotiable. So talk to us about that, please. So the, the most important thing that I want everyone to keep in mind with an online business and why it's different to an offline brick and mortar business is 
with a brick and mortar business, you take a store and you drop it down on like a street, a busy street somewhere or in a shopping mall or whatever. And instantly you get access to foot traffic, right? That's how brick and mortar businesses work. With an online business, you start a website, no one's going to see it, right? A brand new website, no one's going to see it. Um, you have to go out and get the traffic. That's the difference. And so when you're starting a new business, you have to make sure you have to do the analysis first to, de- to determine if there is actually traffic for you to get in the first place. So if you've got an idea for something, um, the way we do it is we'll, we'll take a look on Google and we'll see if there's any keywords. Uh, Google has a free keyword planner tool where you can see um, how often people are searching for any type of keyword term uh, on their search engine. So we use that to determine if there are a lot of people searching for things related to your idea or related to that niche. Uh, That's the first area we go into. The second area is we look at all the different social uh, platforms and we try and find uh, very popular social profiles, very popular profiles on those different platforms just to make sure that there is a social presence as well. Um, Then the last thing we do is we go out and we try and find out if people are purchasing products in that market. So that's how we did it with the skincare site. We just ran a bunch of searches on the Google Keyword Planner. We found out there's a ton of people searching for things related to skincare on Google. Uh, Secondly, we found out there are heaps of different social profiles. Um, Instagram actually didn't start at that time. I don't think it was around at that time. Maybe it was, but Pinterest was a really big one. So we saw that as a huge opportunity. And the third area was we had to decide if people were purchasing skincare products online and and they definitely were. So that's how we determine if that was a really good business to get started with. So that's the three-pronged approach. And I think that'll help a lot of people. Yeah, no, tremendous. Yeah. So if I was following correctly, we got to make sure there's traffic that people are searching for this kind of thing or service or product. Are there influencers out there that are involved in this topic or subject or product area? And then is there is there demonstrable demand for this product? Did I get that more or less right? Exactly, exactly. And usually a good market already has products existing in it. It's very rare that you'll find a, like a, a very profitable market that where there aren't products existing already. It's kind of like, mm-hmm. it's like, you know how people... Do you ever have people like friends or whatever say to you like, oh, I've got this really good idea for an app and you're like, have you checked to see if someone has already made that app? And they usually say no. And then you go and check and they're like, oh yeah, there's like 15 of these apps already. Uh, so, <laughs> so like just the idea itself is, is like, is, is not the thing that's going to make you successful. It's like making sure that you can actually market yourself uh, within it too. But 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 Teo, going with that idea, if this thing I thought was unique, there's actually a gazillion of them. That's not a bad thing, right? That's not a showstopper. That that goes back to the thing you're talking about that there is existing demand for that. No. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I think in an yeah. app sense, um, people just think that if I just have a yeah. good idea and it's and it's unique and I put it up, then I'll be like instantly successful, and that's not how it works. Now, the flip side of that, Josh, if it's something that really is unique, we can't really identify much traffic for, there doesn't seem to be anybody talking about it, nobody seems to be buying this, is that a type of idea, product, service that you say you're going to have a hard time making that successful online? You will have to educate the market, for sure. Um, A good example of that would be uh, ClickFunnels, the software ClickFunnels. 
Of course, yes. Absolutely. Yeah, so I was at Funnel Hacking Live, I think it was two years, maybe three years ago, I can't remember. And Russell Brunson, who's the founder of ClickFunnels, he got up and talked about the journey that they went on. And he said uh, that they created this incredible software called ClickFunnels. And they just immediately thought that they were going to get like 10,000 people subscribing to it. It was going to be incredible right off the bat. And they launched it to crickets. They hardly sold any. And they were like, what is going on right now? And so he spoke to a bunch of people uh, on his list and whatnot. And they said, Russell, we just don't know what what a sales funnel is. What is this sales funnel? I don't get it. So he realized that the market needed to be educated. So what did he do? He wrote a book called Dotcom Secrets that basically takes you through the process of creating sales funnels. And he, he got that book out there far and wide and then people got it. They understood why sales funnels are actually important. And then from there, ClickFunnels, you know, zero to, was it zero to like 100 million in like three years or something like that? Crazy. Yeah, crazy, crazy. Yeah, but yeah great example there. All right. I want you to touch also on the, the whole, when somebody's looking to start a business and, and of course, the big challenge is for most of us is where we're going to get the money, who's going to keep paying the bills, can I quit my job, when can I quit my job? And I know you all talk a lot about the whole idea of starting as a side hustle or maybe it continues as a side hustle or um, um, segueing into consulting but identifying the non-negotiables, how do you help people with determining what's really a non-negotiable and what's something you can give up? So these are non-negotiables as far as like your expenses and things go, which is super key because you're right. I mean, you don't want to start a business under pressure. That's the last thing you want to do. There's enough business, there's enough pressure running a business. So you want to do everything you can to allow yourself to the space to create something good, something amazing that's going to last a long time. So as far as like getting rid of non-negotiables, these are things like, um, you know, like what, what are you spending money on right now that you're just not really adding any benefit to your lifestyle? For example, right now, so I'm an entrepreneur and I don't really take material possessions that seriously. Uh, I used to take them more seriously before I was an entrepreneur. Um, but what I realized is that they're not actually adding any value to my life. Like I rarely go shopping. I'm horrible. My wife actually hates me because of it <laughs> because <laughs> I just have the oldest clothes ever. But I just don't I don't care because it doesn't add any value to my life. So if you're seeing that right now and, and you're realizing like, oh, yeah, crap, I'm spending like 300 bucks a month right now on clothes. Like This is ridiculous. Or um, I've got this like cable bill, which is like 120 bucks. Like why do I need all these channels on my cable bill? Why don't I just get rid of a bunch that I don't need to use? Um, that's that's kind of like getting clear on what those non-negotiables are. Those things aren't going to serve you when you start running your business anyway. You won't have time to, to, to do those things. Trust me, it, it won't exist. So getting clear on what those are and removing them. The other thing I would say is looking at all your utility bills, any, any other ongoing expenses, recurring expenses that you have, And then literally taking the time to call up these companies and ask if there's any way that you could lower your bill, right? And this is a thing. This is a thing a lot of people do. You can call up and you can just ask them like, hey, like I'm not happy with how much I'm I'm paying for this. I'm thinking about going to your competitor. Is there anything you can do? And most of the time, they're going to put you on to like a manager or whatever and they're going to to talk to you and and see if you can work something out. Uh, We've had people do this where they've had um, they've had bills, utility bills, which is like a hundred bucks. They've been able to shave them in half and save 50 bucks a month, right? That's mm. crazy. 
Um, so I want you to know that everything is is a negotiation when it comes to those those monthly expenses, and, and you should take advantage yeah. of those because if you can save yourself, one of the things we try to say is if you can get to a point where you manage to find an extra two hundred dollars per month uh, that you can use to start your business up on the side, that's all you need. You don't need more than two hundred dollars a month to start an online business. It's really affordable. Yeah, and you're helping people do this every day, right? And that's that's the yeah. key. Yeah. Um, but but again, you got to be willing to make, as I call it, some of those sacrifices. And that's why I wanted you to share your thoughts on that. All right, a shift a little bit here. When I'm getting started, especially with an online business, how important is my brand in quotation marks in the traditional sense? And the reason I ask this is even myself, you can sometimes get, I was thinking about this as I was going through a new business that I'm launching now. It's a software business. And, and what I focused on is how, how critical is it that I have the most perfect logo and the most beautiful website and all that stuff. And as it relates to online businesses, obviously the website I'm sure is pretty important, but what are your thoughts overall on brand and spending too much time on that or is it necessary or what components of it? Are necessary. Yeah. So this comes down to the fact, let's say you had a brick and mortar business and you create a, a shop front. Like you want that shop front to look good straight away because you're immediately going to get foot traffic. You want people coming in and checking it out. Right. With a website, it doesn't really work that way. You put your website up and no one's, <laughs> no one's going to be able to find it straight away. This is the reality of the situation. So I, I think what's more important than spending time trying to perfect all the different branding elements like your logo and, and how beautiful your website is, blah, blah, blah. You should be getting something up and running that's nice and clean and simple if you can focus on those two mm -hmm. things. And then quickly moving into uh, your ability to create content and promote your business because it's going to be a, there's an extended period of time. As I said, uh, with that skincare business, it took us six months before we were generating enough income for ourselves. But that was because we were creating content every single day. We didn't give a crap yeah. about what our website looks like. I didn't care at all. We just put yeah. something up and we just started blogging. We started creating content for our site, other people's sites. We started getting the word out there uh, far and wide. That's more important than branding for sure. Yeah, I can see that. Technical question for you along those lines initially build my own website if I've got enough, you know, technical knowledge and use one of the platforms or maybe a WordPress site, or should I pay to have somebody build it? Build your own. A hundred percent build your own. Um, in, so this is what Inscrew you in, we have like a five different stages of online business that we try and move people through. And the first stage we call the grind. And this is where you get your website up and running. And a lot of people asked that question. They said like, Oh, like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm talking to someone right now who's, you know, says they're going to build a website for me for like $2,000. And straight away we said to them, how don't you think you could use that $2,000 more effectively in your business? Here's a really simple guide. Here's a really simple course that shows you. It's called the One Day Website Course. Um, and it just shows people how to get a website, a really nice, clean looking website up in one day. So you can move on uh, to more important things. Yeah, I agree. I think, Josh, what happens is we we tend to use these things as excuses for why we haven't launched. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and, and I think that's what happens a lot for us. Procrastination, for sure. Absolutely. All right. The last topic I want to touch on is the whole value of community. That's the other thing that you're building through what you offer. But mm. curious as to your thoughts. Early on, did you plug into communities of other entrepreneurs or other people trying to do the same thing? And 
Talk to us about the value that you know that has now in, in achieving success. Oh man, community is so huge, especially these days because we're so disconnected. You know, mm-hmm. and we're all craving community. Every single person is craving community so hard. So there's a, a part of the uh, uh, a neuro um, a neurotransmitter in, in the brain called oxytocin, and oxytocin is like your your community, like your love kind of um, your love kind of feeling, right? That that's that's like the the chemical that gets produced. And these days, because we're so disconnected, we are craving oxytocin. And I know this because we just had a baby. And when you have a baby, it produces an incredible amount of this of this chemical called oxytocin. So much, like it, it's literally the most you'll ever produce in your lifetime. And the feelings that we had for the first three days after having the baby was out of this world. You know, you just so much love and appreciation. Then all of a sudden, it just crashes. I don't know if you experienced this, but I, we experienced this crash of oxytocin and you just feel like so horrible. And all of a sudden, after a, a week or two, it picks up again. But that's the thing that people are craving. That's what they want. And that's what community is all about. Now, the first community we joined was when we were living over in Thailand. We were kind of isolated a little bit over there. And so we said to ourselves, let's join a, is there any community of digital nomads who are living over in Southeast Asia? And there was, there was this community called the Dynamite Circle. And there was a whole bunch of uh, lifestyle business owners living in, in Vietnam, living in Thailand, living in Bali, all these different places. And so we joined that. It was just an online forum. And through that forum, we were able to connect with so many people in person in Southeast Asia. And we just kept paying. We didn't even use the forum. We just wanted to be a part of that community. And we just wanted to have that feeling of being a part of the community. Um, so so if you are starting an online business right now, uh, this is probably the biggest thing that you could tap into at this stage, um, especially with the internet. You're going to have a lot of people who are feeling disconnected. And if you can find out a way to connect them together in your community, it's going to be a huge thing for you moving forward. Mm, okay. Yeah, great insights there. And thanks for sharing that. I appreciate that. All right. Um, give us the elevator pitch, the summary of the services that you're currently offering through Screw the 9 to 5. Uh, okay. So with Screw the 9 to 5, we have our membership, a monthly membership community, which is Screw You. Uh, and not Screw You, Henry, but Screw <laughs> You, by the way. Uh, so that's where we have our, our entrepreneurs who are all together. This is our community, right? This is how we connect with with other people who are trying to grow their business. Uh, the other thing that we're really trying to focus on, and we realize this is the number one thing, we've kind of talked about this a lot actually throughout this episode, is traffic and getting traffic, getting attention around your brand. It is the number one problem because you're right. Like People will start a business thinking that they instantly were going to get traffic to their website, they're going to get traction. It doesn't work that way. So we want to help solve that problem. And so we have, we're doing a weekly live workshop called, um, it, it's called the 90 day traffic workshop. And we show you how to potentially triple your website traffic in 90 days or less using a really simple format. So that is, you can access that at screw the nine to five.com forward slash workshop. That's every week. Wonderful. All right. I'm curious, uh, what you love most about from a business perspective, what do you love most about what you're doing today? I would say it would be focusing on those three areas, the, the balance of business and life. So focusing mm-hmm. on helping people, you know, not just like build their business. That's a great thing. You know, building your business is, is fantastic. But 
also helping them create that balance through making sure that they're healthy so they can stick with it for the long term. But then second, but then thirdly, also focusing on the other lifestyle elements. So making sure that your relationships are in balance, um, making sure that, you know, your personal finances are going well, making sure that your family is, is doing well too. Um, so those, that's probably the thing that, that excites me the most about the future. Mm-hmm. That's great. Mm. All right. Is there a, a book that you've read recently or in the past that you would recommend? Oh my gosh. Have you read Traction? <laughs> have you read Traction? I have not read Traction. I was trying to think if I have it in my stack of books to read. Who's the author? Uh, Gino Wickman. No, I have not. Oh my gosh. I really want you to come get this like right away. So Traction is incredible because it goes through this process of putting together um, what they call an entrepreneur operating system. And it's literally like, like you put together components in your business that run your business for you. It's, it's incredible. It's incredible. Like I, I just want everyone to go out and get it. Even if you're a solopreneur, I still think it's important. Even if you don't have a team yet, um, just so you can, you can get the initial, um, the initial structure together before you start growing. It's like, it's, it's our Bible. I've read it like 10 times now. It's incredible. Wonderful. Thanks for that recommendation. I will put it on my list to read. And if you didn't get that, it'll be in a link on the show notes page for this episode at thehowabusiness.com. All right, Josh, we'll wrap it up here. Last couple of questions. What's one thing from this conversation, particularly in light of the topic that we were focusing on, on starting an online business, one thing you'd want our our listeners to take away from this conversation? Uh, I would say let's let's really make sure that there's a market for your business before you get started. That's really key. So you can do that research that it exists now online. You can find out if that market actually exists first. Um, I just don't want people to go out and start a business and then, you know, like half start it and get into it. And then six months later, they're like, oh yeah, this is not actually a good idea. I want you to actually do it properly from the very beginning. So go out and do that research and make sure a market exists. Yeah. Fantastic. Where would you like us to go online to find out more about you and Screw the 9 to 5? Uh, I think the easiest way is just to Google Screw the 9 to 5, honestly, because people mess up that is it is it the number 9 or is it <laughs> N-I-N-E? So just go Google Screw the 9 to 5 and you'll find us there. Wonderful. And if you can't find it there, just go to the show notes page for this episode at the How of Business. There'll be a link there to his site as well as the book recommendation and everything else that we talked about. Josh, this has been a wonderful conversation. Thanks for indulging me with all the questions and um, for sharing your knowledge and your time today on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Henry. This is a blast. This is Henry Lopez. You're listening to another episode of The How of Business. My guest again was Josh Stanton. We release new episodes every Monday morning, and you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or at our website, thehowofbusiness.com. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.